Uh, we haven't figured out what we're going to choose uh, yet, but we get to pick our style of beer and everything like that. Nice. Yeah. I was about to say, do a seltzer. <laughs> a seltzer keg. Oh, that would just be so gross, actually. Uh, where was it that they were saying? Was it you who heard that there was Truly on Tap? There's a place that has Truly on Tap. Ugh, no. Oh, main event. I mean, that sounds about right for main event because that place is hell on earth. Yes. But um, gross. I like Truly. Raspberry Lime, number one overall pick in the seltzer draft. Hot pot of the South, not your daddy's Appalachia. Hot pot of the South, progress cannot wait. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pot of the South, a production of Change Tennessee. Pull up a chair and refill your sweet tea as we peel back the layers of Southern politics to get a better understanding of what's going on and why it matters. My name is Gabe, and joining me, as always, is Knoxville's gayest forger of shiny math rocks, Maggie Loveday. So many math rocks, okay, y'all? We need so many more math rocks in Knoxville. Do we need more math rocks or more meth rocks? Math. We have enough meth. It's, we don't need any more of that, actually. So we do have a lot of meth rocks. Actually, I mean, it's crack rocks, but meth, drugs, lots of those in Knoxville. Yeah, we need uh, less of those, but more math rocks, math. Or just more math. Like Knoxville could probably use more math just in general. You know what? That actually goes with what we're talking about today. It does. And so speaking on that, today we are going to talk about redistricting, which is kind of a hot topic in the national spotlight right now and will be for the next several months. We talked a little bit about redistricting way early in our days as a podcast. So if you want, you can go check that out. That was back when Drew was still on board regularly. But we're gonna talk about redistricting again today, but instead of on a general thing, we're gonna kind of talk about what's going on with it in the current discussion. But before we get into why white people suck at drawing maps uh what's something that you think could use a good spotlight right now maggie so i don't know if you guys know this but our great overlord president biden proclaimed october 11th officially as indigenous people's day which for indigenous populations was a really big thing to be recognized by the stupid government that currently holds the seat of our land fuck the government but you know at least they're recognizing the fact we're here finally. And he also said some really big things as far as indigenous peoples. So in the proclamation, he said contributions that indigenous peoples have made throughout history and public service, entrepreneurship, scholarship, the arts, and countless other fields are integral to our nation, our culture, and our society. Indigenous peoples have served and continue to serve in the United States Armed Forces with distinction and honor at one of the highest ranks of any group, defending our security every day. And Native Americans have been on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic, working essential jobs and carrying us through our gravest moments. Further in recognition that the pandemic has harmed indigenous people at an alarming and disproportionate rate, Native communities have led the way in connecting people with vaccination, boasting some of the highest rates of any racial or ethnic group. First of all, I would like to say thank you for noticing the fact that the Navajo code breakers 
for World War II are the reason why we won World War II. So thank you. And the fact that the Cherokee Nation led in vaccinations so much so that they were able to vaccinate the whole Cherokee Nation of Oklahoma months before they had expected to. And they opened vaccines to all of the state of Oklahoma so that they could make sure to continue to protect that population there around the elders and everything like that. So thanks, Biden. The Native Americans leading the way in vaccinations, I think is just really impressive when you think about how they've, like you guys as a people have been systemically just beaten down. You're not given the resources on the reservations. You're not given access to basic infrastructure, anything that a reservation or a native area needs to thrive and be productive, quote, 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 unquote, productive in modern society, like doesn't exist. And yet when vaccine access was at its hardest, native populations, especially the Cherokee Nation of Oklahoma, like you were just saying, was leading the way and kicked ass in getting shots in arms. The other one that I do know, like, of specifically was the Coastal Salish folks. So Palelup, which is up in Washington, they also kicked ass. I only know that because I was listening to an awesome podcast. If you guys want to get to know more about indigenous populations, besides from us, shout out to, um, oh my God, my brain just died. All My Relations podcasts which there is a Swinomish and Tulalip woman who started the podcast. They're the bomb.com. But uh, what's your, what's your uh, spotlight for today? So my spotlight is a little terrifying in the scheme of things, but also kind of comical. Are you familiar with the Rod of Iron Ministries? Only because of most recent terrifying articles that I've been reading. Yeah, so you know exactly where this is going. So the Rod of Iron Ministries, also known as the World Peace and Unification Sanctuary, which just what a foreboding name that is, recently purchased a 130-acre property in Bean Station, Tennessee. That has no sewer system, working sewer system, mind you. So yeah, aren't you a little familiar with Bean Station, Maggie? It's right from where I grew like right down the road from where I grew up. Y'all, that's not a good place to buy a bunch of land. Oh, it's a great place for them for what they want to do. This 130-acre property in Bean Station, the plan is for it to serve as the holy ground and training center for the Rod of Iron Ministries, which for the record is run by a run by Pastor Hyungjin Moon, also known as Sean moon pretty dedicated conspiracy theorist he's been known to he was known to kind of hang out and like walk through the tear gas during january 6th this shit is a full-blown cult like there's no way beating around the bush you guys need to look at photos of this because this is insane to get a good image of what's been what they're going to be doing it is evangelicalism with ar-15s they conduct religious wedding ceremonies in which everybody's got an AR, because why the hell not? When Pastor Moon does his sermons, he is wearing a crown anointed with 556 rounds, which are the, it's the ammunition that an AR-15 fires. Yeah, it's just, it's something else. 
And another thing that just kind of makes you wonder about what the hell is going on on their quote unquote training center is his brother is actually the CEO of Car Firearms, which is, you guessed it, a firearm manufacturer. And these guys are yeah opening up this holy ground and training center up right over here in East Tennessee, where they will indoctrinate people basically into, into their cultish ways. Do you think it's like a mixture of a Ponzi scheme with a cult? Because like, in order for you to join the church, you have to purchase at least this number AR-15s and ammo from this manufacturing company that just happens to be owned. I don't know, because you have to pay, like, one of the things they do is called ONSU, which is, like, generational forgiveness, where they all gather in these massive groups and they slap each other to release the sins of your further generations and it becomes incredibly violent and abusive but in order to participate in ansu you have to pay like the more generations you want to forgive the more money you have to give to the rod of iron ministries so i think they're already kind of siphoning off the money there you know maybe if it's like if you if you forgive fifty thousand dollars worth of generational sins maybe then you get a gold ar but they might definitely be uh, working something in there, like you were suggesting. As someone who is uh, a child of generational trauma and indigenous, I'm going to just go ahead and tell you folks, that's not how you forgive your previous, that's not how you get generational forgiveness, okay? That's not how you do it. <laughs> You're wrong. I, I let my neighbors slap my crotch until I bled and God loved me more. What what is this jackass? I mean, anybody who's on board with Rod of, Rod of Iron Ministries is probably a jackass, so not really a stretch. But yeah, it's uh it's pretty terrifying, like what they're doing. Uh, there's reports of people who were able to escape, and they talk about the just psychological and physical abuse that the members go through. You know, it's like anything. If you try to leave, they try they gaslight you. They really make you doubt everything about yourself. Uh, until you're just completely indoctrinated into this system where you give what little money that a lot of these members do have, end up giving it to Pastor Moon in the thousands of dollars when these people don't have that kind of money. I mean, so what's going on is incredibly dangerous uh, and it's right here in our backyard and there's not a damn thing Governor Lee or any of his lackeys are going to do about it. I mean, they're, they're just going to let it happen because God, guns, and crazy shit is kind of their mantra. God, guns, and cults. So, yeah, so that's what's going on. That's, uh, we'll need to be aware of what the hell's going on over in uh, Bean Station. Because shit's getting weird. Y'all need Jesus. They've had too much Jesus. (laughs) Y'all need to dial back your Jesus. (laughs) But we're going to take a quick break as we figure out how we can join Rod of Iron Ministries. Or put them in their place, because starting a cult in Bean Station was my idea not too long ago, so I'm getting a little getting a little worried that they're stomping on my turf. But while I figure out how to plot their demise, you guys enjoy this quick break. Pod favorite Charles Koch is back to let us know that the only districts he wants drawn are those that let him spend more money on awful candidates. Through the many tentacles of the Cochtopus, he ensures that any legislation that would create equity through representation has no place in American politics. Charles Koch, 
my representatives will be your representatives. Again, we're going to talk about some redistricting today. Right before we jump into kind of the national discussion of redistricting, we're going to give you kind of just a little overview of it, uh, just as a quick refresher in case you haven't recently listened to our redistricting and gerrymandering episode with Drew and Nathan of Indivisible. So redistricting, what is it? Basically, every 10 years after the census data comes in, the state legislatures get together and come up with ways to redraw uh, the representation across the state. There's two types of maps. There are state legislative maps and then there are congressional maps, aka state and federal levels. But what they do is they set up how elections will play out for the next 10 years. It goes census to census. There are huge implications and huge things on the line with the redistricting commissions and what they come up with because what they say goes for 10 years. And as always, they're going to gerrymander any way they can to limit the power of voting blocks. And there's really two major types of gerrymandering, packing and cracking. Just so for another quick overview of now these, you have Packing where you cram the voting power into as few areas as possible. So you try to put all of this voting block into these two districts. Now, it's important to note that you can't draw districts upon racial lines, but that doesn't mean they're not going to end up doing that, but using a different type of argument. I mean, shenanigans go on and we're all well aware of the underlying meaning of what they, what's happening. And then the other big type of gerrymandering is cracking. And that's where you weaken the voting power across several districts. So now instead of having equal districts, you take this voting block and you spread it out amongst five or six districts. Whereas normally they might be in like three, you kind of cut them in half. That way their voting power is considerably lesser than what it should be for their area. We're dealing with the repercussions of redistricting of the the 2010 redistricting right now. When you look at some of the areas here in Tennessee, especially Knoxville, I mean, there's a district that runs, that connects West and East Knox. I mean, those communities could not be more different, but somehow they are in the same district. Doesn't really make much sense. Another one on a national level that sticks out to a lot of people is uh, in Texas with uh, Representative Cyclops, where his district kind of loops all the way around the city, Houston, but doesn't have anything to do with each other. They're just kind of connecting all of the affluent areas. And that's kind of where they're like chipping stuff out in order to limit the voting power or concentrate voting power in order for them to steal districts. 100%. If you have not looked at your city districts, you should, because some of the, the ways they, they like pack and crack, it's insane. Like it's literally insane. Like you look at that and you're like, that's not, that's not what, 
And there's, like I said, like we, I mentioned how you can't draw districts upon racial lines. There's other things like districts have to be of equal population. And there's all these restrictions that go into play in trying to make the districts quote unquote fair. But with the data we have now, I mean, they can manipulate it so easily and fuck around. And when you're in a state like Tennessee, and we'll get into this a little later with talking about the supermajority, there's nothing to stop them from doing whatever the hell they want. I mean, you look at states like Texas, Tennessee, Alabama, where it's pretty much a one party rule. The only thing standing in the way of a fair district and complete fuckery is the Supreme Court. And there have been a few cases over the years where they've allowed gerrymandering to happen, but where they've also struck it down. So it's really a crapshoot on if the Supreme Court will do anything about it as well. That's most things the Supreme Court does, though. Very true. As, as the last bastion of justice, they don't seem to do a good job, especially of late. Looking at you, Nestle slave labor. But as we kind of talked about a little um, with the restrictions of redistricting and how the maps have to be drawn, uh, there's kind of two big national talking points that have been people have been really throwing around lately. And that's just the overall issue of dividing communities. You have, there's reports where with the current district setup is on one side of Main Street, random town, America, you're in District 1, while your neighbor across the street or the neighbor to the left of you is in District 2. So there, there's all these weird things of communities being divvied up. It's happening here in Knoxville uh, and here in Tennessee, and we'll kind of talk about it again later, but that's a big issue. They're trying to split these communities up to gerrymander the voting power out of an area that would vote against the ruling party's interest. And when you start, you know, start messing around and splitting up communities, that's when you really start losing the ability to speak up as a community. I mean, one neighborhood could have be three different districts, and now you have three different voices all for that one neighborhood that has one culture. And that's a big thing that a lot of organizations are really speaking up and saying, hey, if you're going to have these political redistricting committees, at the very least, you have to keep communities intact. You can't split up this neighborhood amongst two or three representatives. This is a neighborhood. This has the same identity. They need the same representative, whether it's at the state level or it's at the national level. And then we get into kind of the other big topic right now when involving the, when discussing these uh, redistricting committees is the nonpartisan commission, which they can be, there's kind of two ways to go about the nonpartisan commission. You have the citizen elect group where it's a group of citizens, a nonpartisan group of normal people coming together to create these maps. Or you have elect, you have appointed nonpartisan commissions where it will be a political group, uh, political individuals, but it will be a split, evenly split group that will draw the maps. And either way, you're already talking about a much better system than the way it is. 
when we talk, you know, the, with these nonpartisan commissions, less than 10 states do it at the state level and at the federal level. I think it's like seven at the federal level and eight at the state level. No one's doing it. And so you have these states that are just able to do whatever the hell they want when it comes to these districts. None of those district redistricting like are in the South. They're all like somewhere else. None of those are in the South. The South is like, this is the Wild West. We do what we want. It's like you're the West and Pacific Northwest, like California, Colorado, Washington. Uh, you get the idea of the states that are doing it, doing nonpartisan commissions. Uh, Ill- uh, Michigan is doing it. And so it's kind of these states that are either out West and have and are kind of known for taking care of their citizens or it's areas that are you know usually considered battleground states again you're talking about eight seven eight states that are doing it uh, so really not that much but they're taking the next step to create districts that are fair or at least are trying to get at make it as fair as they can they're not just letting a single party completely dominate the landscape and say well, this is how we want the map to look. So here's how it's going to look. The only people who can stop us are the Supreme Court. Getting more of these nonpartisan commissions enacted across the states would be huge. And this is kind of where redistricting ties in with HR1, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Part of that bill would, would be the establishment of nonpartisan redistricting commissions across the entire United States. So yeah, you'd have this federal legislation that would enable fair redistricting everywhere. So you don't have one party rule anymore because once you get that, you can just every 10 years, just keep yourself in power and not actually have to do anything to improve the communities because you're, you've written your blocks into power, into voting power, and you don't have to give a damn about the popular vote the overall popular vote because you've packed and cracked the district so badly. Yeah, you might have lost the popular, the overall vote by 60,000 votes, but you won the most districts, so you win. So those are kind of what's going on with these nonpartisan commissions, and that's why we need them. We need the HR, we need HR1 to pass. I mean, it's, it's dead right now. I mean, it was dead on arrival. There's no way in hell the Senate was going to break the filibuster in order to pass it. And we just... We knew that from the rip, which is another reason why the filibuster needs to go. But that's a whole nother, a whole nother topic we could dive back into. If you want to hear our thoughts on the filibuster, go check that episode out. But you know, Tennessee right now, we are again another, we're a supermajority state. And by that I mean one party controls a controls like 60%, 70% of the legislative power. There's no, there's no stopping them. Whenever they want to do something, they can do it. And it's like that in many states across the South, where it's one party rule and these redistricting commissions can just continue and perpetuate their power without having any, without having, without having any challenges to that power. They can just keep status quo keep screwing people over and they'll never be threatened in a election because the districts are written in a way that benefit them. So now that we've kind of talked about what's going on on the national level, we can kind of dive here into the, into Tennessee 
and what's going on here at the at a more localized level. We touched on it a little bit with the super talking about how we're a super majority state and how that trickles down. Hey, the one time Republicans and trickle down stuff works. The super majority trickles down into the redistricting commission as well. Uh, in the Senate, it's a five to two Republican lean on the Senate redistricting committee. And it's a 16 to four Republican lean in the House redistricting com uh, committee. Doesn't seem very fair. Doesn't seem like you're going to uh, get some district maps drawn that are representative of everybody involved. In the House, one of the lone Democrats on that redistricting committee is a is the lone woman of color in the committee as well. Which is just so depressing. Like that's another thing you have to check out. Like when looking at your redistricting redistricting commissions is who's in that commission because more than likely it's not representative of the state as far as culture race or anything else like it's just not there if memory serves me in the house redistricting committee there's two women one is a white woman and the other one is a woman of color 10 percent of the committee are women women make up more than 10 percent of the state's population what we do Believe, believe it or not, yeah, this is not like some Handmaid's Tale shit. Holy crap. And we get a voice. Eh, kind of. You get 10% speaking power. Okay, great. But then on that, to go kind of go a little further, I mean, the, the House committee doesn't look anything like Tennessee either. I mean, one it's one person of color. Tennessee is more than a 5% minority state. The people who are making these maps, who are going to be drawing these maps look not the makeup looks nothing like how the state of Tennessee looks so you again you have a bunch of old white guys drawing maps and history has shown we're real bad at it white people should not have crayons and a blank sheet of paper anytime you see a white person trying to like draw on a sheet of paper to be like hey this is what it looks like slap it out of their hand and tell them no and send them to time out we don't deserve it Unless they're drawing Michigan, because they get that right most of the time. Well, I mean, it's it's a it's a hand. Yeah, it's real easy. It can also be a turkey. <laughs> it just looks like a hand. And then in the Senate as well, I mean, there's only, it's kind of the same thing. It's one woman of color. I'm amazed that we even have that, to be honest. And so you have one person that's trying to speak up for the entire state. Uh, whereas if you take a nonpartisan commission to it or a citizens, a nonpartisan citizens commission to it, you're going to have a much more represent, uh, much more representative map of Tennessee. The districts might still not be perfect, but you get one step closer because people from the various communities can speak up a lot easier and have their voices heard by somebody who knows their communities. I'm not going to trust a bunch of evangelicals to represent what the Jewish community needs. I'm not going to do And, you know, if you're an evangelical, you wouldn't want a Jewish dude speaking up for your community needs. I mean, so why are we doing the same when it comes to our redistricting commissions? We need people who represent us drawing these maps and making the government function how we need it for our communities. As an indigenous woman in the state of Tennessee, I'm used to never getting my needs met when it comes to my culture and my community. <laughs> yes, I mean, that's, but that's, you know, that, that's years of just having the stool kicked out from under you. And it's something that we, that we should fight to change. 
it's super shitty. It's, but because that you have a super majority redrawing these districts and doing whatever the hell they want, it's going to continue to happen. So, you know, we, we need these nonpartisan commissions. That way you can have indigenous people speaking up, uh, stepping in and saying, no, this is how, you know, this is where the indigenous people live, or this is where the bulk of them are, you know, have that as a district. You know, these are the community needs for that district. And that would be, I mean, just thinking about that, I kind of want to cry. So let's, let's move on, move on. So, I mean, we are, so, I mean, we are getting into kind of in the second part of why a supermajority redistricting commission is a bad idea. Because the way these maps co uh, come to be, the districts come to be, is you submit maps. Right now, uh, Tennessee has until April 7th, 2022, to finalize their redistricting maps. Different states have different deadlines. Uh, we're one of the later ones. What you do is you draw out these maps and you submit it to the state legislature, the redistricting committees. But here's the shitty thing and the kicker. They're only taking complete maps. So if you want to submit redistrict Tennessee, you have to do one for the entire state of Tennessee. You can't just submit, oh, I know Knoxville really well. Let me submit a map of Knoxville. That won't fly. If you're in Memphis, you can't just submit a redistrict map of Memphis. You have to do the entire state. I don't know jack shit about Memphis. I barely know anything about Knoxville. And a lot of people are like that. I mean, you know the area you're in, but you know, I don't expect my friends in Memphis to, under, to, have, to know what the needs of Bristol and Johnson City are. Just as I don't expect someone in Elizabethan to know what the needs of somebody in Chattanooga are. I mean, you would have to like directly interact with every single town, city, space of Tennessee to be able to draw an accurate map of that, which isn't going to happen. It's not. I mean, by them saying they're only taking complete maps is them basically saying we're going to do what the hell we want. Yeah. And they, they're going to generalize and stereotype areas. Uh, absolutely. You know, even though thanks to the efforts of Kate Craig up in Washington County, I mean, there's a huge you know, blue bubble up there. And that's going to be completely wiped away when they do these maps because you have to do a whole map. Otherwise it doesn't matter. They kind of they kind of covered their asses when they made that statement about only taking complete maps because they did come out a little while after and say, well, they'll they'll take incomplete maps through quote in informal dialogue, which means you know going out speaking up at your city council meetings, um, the League of Women Voters in Tennessee has been holding meetings, trying to draw maps for different areas and submitting those through their channels. But informal dialogue, does them using the frames informal dialogue does not give me warm and fuzzies in my stomach. Yeah, it means they could just throw it out if they wanted to. It's informal. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's not a formal document. It's informal. It's us just having a beer talking about how the Tennessee map should look like. That's not a good sign for how the state should look. And it goes to show that they don't actually give a shit about public opinion on this, that they're just going to do what they want to do. And we're going to have to sue. Like if when, when these maps come out and we see that they're complete horseshit and garbage, the only repercussions we'll have will be file lawsuits against it to get representative uh, districts. That's where it is important, though, to have these informal dialogues and have them documented 
in official meetings, like I said, in your city council meetings, you know, whatever local officials are having meetings, you know, if there's a minutes being taken, bring it up, you know, let people know that sunny hills east or it needs to be together. You can't have a line just arbitrarily drawn through the middle of it because you guys are a voting block and you need to limit your power. And with these maps that are going on, there are kind of some rumors that have been filtering out of Nashville. They're rumors at this point. So, you know, you can't really take a whole lot to them and say that this is what's going to happen. But, you know, this one of the one of the rumors did make headlines because it did get leaked and the supermajority was not shy about coming forward with it. They're, they want to draw Jim Cooper out of his district or his district much more competitive because as of right now, he pretty much represents the entirety of Nashville. Nashville is drawn in such a way right now where it's pretty much one district and they want to split Nashville up to where you have Nashville's kind of, you have like part of Nashville and then you have these suburbs attached to it and then these suburbs attached to it and eliminate the people who live in the national, the immediate Nashville area, you know, split their voice up amongst two different districts to be able to put somebody else in there who's going to represent the supermajority more so than Jim Cooper, who is not a part of it. And they have been very open about doing this, about trying to split up Nashville and make it a quote unquote more competitive district or districts. Even though when you look at how that area votes, it's, they're really just trying to gerrymander and take away voting power to, to steal Jim's seat out from under him without actually having to do any real work at the polls. Just draw it on a map, boom, easy, he's out, of, he's out of the picture. That's over in Nashville. And then also coming over here to Knoxville, you have the exact same thing where there's rumors circulating that they're going to draw Gloria Johnson out of her district. And it's the same thing where they just want to rewrite the districts to where she won't be in her district anymore and where she would would be part of a completely different district that is not representative, where she would not be a representative of. Basically take her area and strategically put it in with a bunch of people that don't share the same system, the belief systems that she does and the same values as her, even though she's lived in that her district for a while now and she is a great representative for her neighborhood and for her district but because she's not part of the supermajority, they want to eliminate her from the picture which is just like really sad because i mean gloria johnson does so much work for her district i mean like she goes out and does so much it's amazing to watch i mean like even if i didn't align with her politically at least she still does like she goes out and she does polls, she does surveys, she goes out in the community and she does actual community work in her community, in her district, and goes out and represents them the way that you're supposed to. And if you, and if you think about the district that she represents right now, it's, it's the North Knox area. And for people who aren't familiar with North Knox, it's a little bit of lower income. There are, there are a good bit of like yuppies in the area who are first time home buyers. And kind of the rest of it are like more low income individuals. And Representative Johnson is phenomenal at speaking up 
and walking the walk for everybody in her area. And they want to replace her with somebody that does not give a shit about that area, that is not from the North Knox area and doesn't have a heart, doesn't have a pulse on what's going on and what that area needs. And so, you know, that's kind of what's going on with the redistricting in Tennessee and at a national level. It all really boils down to the political system as it's set up does not enable citizen advocacy. It limits the voice to keep those in power in power. It's supposed to be for the people, but let's be honest here. It's not for the people. They're doing everything they can to not listen to you. So yeah, it's set up for if you're a ruling party and a dominant ruling party, you're going to stay in power because everything is red versus blue, black versus white, whatever, however you want to draw the dichotomies because there's no viable third option in the in the United States. And so when it comes to redistricting and drawing these maps, they don't have to worry about catering to the masses. They just have to cater to their fanatical bases and that's how things will end. If you pay attention to it enough, it, it can be kind of overwhelming, first of all. Second of all, it can be kind of depressing. So the best thing that I, advice-wise that you can do is uh, over the next few months, first of all, you need to check to see when your maps quote unquote, need to be submitted for your state. And then second of all, you need to pay attention to what your city or area that you live in is doing to represent you as a person and talk to your representatives and pay attention to local elections. Like I always say at the end of all of our podcasts, (laughs) because that's the only way that you're going to be able to get your voice heard and make sure that your community is being represented properly. And pay attention to make sure that they're not gerrymandering. And if they are gerrymandering, well, time to start organizing and getting some groups together. Yeah. Uh, And that's going to be the only way you get accurate and representative areas is organizing, banding together, strength through solidarity. I don't know organizations off the top of my head that are legals that if you guys notice that there is gerrymandering happening in your area and you need legal help in order to do a legal case to take it to the Supreme Court. There are 100% organizations out there that you can rely on to help you. Absolutely. Like I said, I know here in Tennessee, the uh, League of Women's Voters are organizing to draft accurate maps for the state. Can't think of any of the others off the top of my head because they've been kind of at the forefront of it. I think a lot of the other organizations are more local speaking up for Knoxville, speaking up for Memphis, speaking up for Morristown, whatever. But find an organization that's doing it at statewide or get involved locally. Um, Do what you can, make your voice heard, get your concerns on paper in an official minutes. That way, when push comes to shove, it's on paper saying, no, I said my community needs to be together for X, Y, and Z. And then when they split it up, There are grounds to have it reversed and have your community drawn in a way that is representative of the community. Get out there, get organized, make shit happen. And we're going to take a quick break while you do that. And when we come back, we have a few people that could just use a good old bless your heart. When he's not paying fees for safety violations, Charles Koch can always be found stopping any legislation that would move us forward. This includes the surprisingly popular voting reforms that have been introduced this past year to make it more accessible for everyone. Charles Koch, if you can't vote, 
my vote is automatically more important. So I found the best bless your heart. Oh. So have you heard? Oh, I could either tell you about this now, or we can wait until we do the actual Doesn't bless your heart, matter. so you can have actual reactions to it. Oh. <laughs> I'm down either way. So the um, uh, you know how they announced that Superman's son is bisexual? Uh, I saw the thing about Superman being bi or whatever. It's Superman's son. Oh. It's not actually Superman. Oh. But a lot of people are just seeing Superman and are like, oh, Superman's bi! Ah! But one of these people that's doing that is Fox News and it's fucking hysterical. I mean, he has like a pompadour haircut that's always like schlocked with gel. He wears tights. There's spandex tights with like the red around his crotch and butt. Y'all didn't expect this man to be a little yeah, gay. Yeah, <laughs> like, come on now. Like, oh, God. You can't spray paint your genital areas red and say, don't look here. And he clearly goes to the gym all the time, too. So, you know, he's like, what's like the opposite of a bear? Like, or not the opposite of a bear, but like. A, Instead of like a, a big fluffy bear, you've got like a. I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, because like a twink would be more of like a frail person, but Superman's better. Not a frail person. They're just skinny. Yeah, okay, yes. Yeah. So that's well, when I think of a bear, I think of a big brother. When I think of someone who describes themselves as a twink, I yeah, I think of a skinny AF, a like very skinny, scrawny, like I can break you by flicking you in the forehead. Yeah. And they wear women's skinny. Yeah. <laughs> so Maybe that's right, a new term, a, su a Superman gay. <gasps> we already knew he was gay. His butt whistles when he flies. <laughs> that's just that's just poor sphincter control is what that is. That's not enough lube. Oh. <laughs> He's a bad gay. <laughs> so bad. All right, I'm All ready. Right. I'm ready. All right, welcome back, everybody. I hope you found a local organization to get involved with to make sure that your district maps don't suck. We know ours probably still will, but we, we can do our damnedest to make sure they don't. Anyway, we have a few people that could just use a good old bless your heart. It's Bless Your Heart with Bobby June. you just so wonderful thank you and bless your heart bless your heart maggie who needs a good bless your heart from you so i don't know if you guys have been paying attention to superhero news is what i like to call it dc has finally you know like they did a most recent i guess just comic in general and it's about superman's son it's not about superman being he's bisexual like they show him being bisexual in the, the most recent release of this uh and bless your heart fox news because you guys are 
freaking hysterical because first of all I, I just tweeted this as well if you guys want to go check it out by the time you hear this i would have tweeted this forever ago but don't worry you'll see it and it's the headline that they have at the bottom of it is the left sexualizes superheroes first of all and i'm like honey have you not paid attention they're the fit of the fit do you know why Scarlett Johansson's ass is like on the front of every single movie poster for the Avengers? No. Oh, it's because they sexualize her as a superhero. Bless your heart for that one. The second one is, is bless your heart because y'all are freaking the fuck out saying Superman is gay. But Superman is not the one who's gay. It's his son. Superman's son is gay. But also, are you really that surprised if Superman was gay? Sorry, we get some representation, okay? Should they not be surprised? I mean, he wears spandex with his crotch area emblazoned in red. I mean, the other thing, though, is that, like, this is the thing that they're screaming about. They're like, oh, my God, Superman is bisexual. Superman is gay. The other thing that they're complaining about is Aquaman, Robin, and Loki also being bisexual. None of them are complaining about Harley Quinn being bisexual with Poison Ivy or Catwoman being bisexual or any of the other. Well, that's hot. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The women being bisexual, that's acceptable. But men being bisexual is not acceptable. That's fucked up. Y'all need to go somewhere else. I don't care where it is, but it needs to not be within a 10 like mile radius of me because bisexual men are totally valid bisexual non-binary folks are totally valid bisexual women are not to be overly sexualized and y'all need to just get out so (laughs) bless your hearts shit i forget the uh comics name or the comic illustrator's name where it's like one of the the spot the infamous spider girl cover i think oh yes where like she bent over and it's like boom in your face here's her labia like it's very disturbing and people go and get that signed all the time i'm just like no that is not no anytime people talk about comics or or like the sexualization of comics i'm like yes here exhibit a it's all just it's male fetishization of anything like that's why the men are like super toned and like the perfect triangle cut because every man wants to have that superman build look at any batman cover like any batman cover with him on it it's not a normal looking man like every single muscle on that man is drawn to such minute detail that it's disgusting if i saw that person standing in front of me i'd be like oh what's wrong with oh Okay, so what is your bless your heart? Because I could just rant about this for hours. So my bless your heart is in a similar vein of kind of going out to Fox News, but mine is going out to all the Trumpites and the flaming death cult that is Trumpism. Specifically, his most recent statement that came out on October 13th, basically to boil down in, he said, don't vote in 2022 or 2024. Because he said, to read to read the statement, he goes, If we don't solve the presidential election fraud of 2020, which we have thoroughly and conclusively documented, Republicans will not be voting in 22 or 24. It is the single most important thing for Republicans to do. Two thoughts. One, he didn't write that. Those are like complete sentences with 
some pretty advanced words like conclusively like pretty impressive that that like there's no way that was in trump's vocabulary who took over trump's social media and secondly do you not know how elections work you have to vote you have to vote if you want to get your way you have to vote by telling your people not to vote you're not going to win and then you're going to bitch and moan about the radical socialist agenda of Joe Biden, which makes me chuckle, but you didn't do a goddamn thing about it to try to stop him. You just didn't show up. You did nothing. Absolutely nothing. That's not, that's not how polls work. That's not how the elections work. You go, you vote, and whoever gets the most little check boxes by their name wins. You don't get your way by sitting at home and pouting. That's the shit we teach three-year-olds. Well, we already knew that he was not a fully functioning mature adult, so. We, we knew he didn't know how the Supreme Court worked because he and his buddy Mike Lindell were talking about how he, there was going to be so much, the overwhelming evidence of voter fraud was going to go straight to the Supreme Court. It was going to bypass all the appellate courts and go straight to the Supreme Court. So we knew he, he, we know he doesn't know how the justice system works. But now it's pretty obvious he doesn't even know how elections work. He doesn't know how voting works. It's a shock he made it this far in life, not knowing how the basic tenets of society work. But again, I mean, when you're born it with a silver spoon, you don't really have to know how things work. But Jesus Christ, like, bless your heart. Like, I am at a loss on how this is going to be a winning strategy in 22 and 23. It'll be winning for us. Maybe this will give a chance for a third party to step forward and actually be, you know, heard. I mean, the third party that's going to step forward is going to be like the Manchinites. Uh, I just want the Green Party. I'm, I'm still pulling for Ralph Nader, but bless your heart, Trumpites. Bless your heart, Trump. Understand that in order to get your way in politics, to get your representatives into office, to get your way, you have to go out and vote. What? It's not hard. Stand in line for 10 minutes because you're all a bunch of white people. So you're going to be allowed to go vote and there's going to be polling places near you, very accessible polling places. So you'll stand around for like five, 10 minutes. You go in, you'll press the little button on the screen and be done with it. Yeah, that's all it takes. In case y'all were wondering, that's all it takes to vote. Yeah. So bless your heart. Well, that will do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We hope you had a great time. Maggie, do you have an internet home where people can find you? Yeah, y'all need to go find that tweet that I just retweeted. I am at L-I-L-M-I-S-S-K-N-I-T, Lil Miss Knit. I am on Twitter and I am on Instagram. And guess what? I still haven't posted a photo of my new hair color. So <laughs> if you followed me in the last week, I'm sorry. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at pod underscore south. You can find me on Twitter at Graham851. Also, make sure to leave us those sweet, sweet five-star reviews as they help others discover us and hear the siren song of Appalachian leftists. Thank you, everybody, and have a great day. Hot pot of the South, not your daddy's Appalachia. Hot pot of the South, progress cannot wait.